everybody. Nice to see you this morning. Glad you're here with us today, and I'm excited to dive into this teaching with you. Uh, hey, I don't know if you played uh, sports in uh, school, middle school, high school, uh, but you know, I loved baseball. When I got into high school, my favorite sport was football, and I played on the freshman football team. I was no good. I basically rode the bench, but I thought I was going to play football all through high school until one hit altered my whole view of my future. I mean, I, one of my best friends was named Nuri, and Nuri was the running back on our football team, and he was the best player on the field for any team pretty much in our whole district. He was amazing, right? And we were at practice one day, full contact practice, and I was playing defense. That was the only time they let me in, special teams defense. Get in there, Will Height. So I'm playing defense, and the ball gets kicked off, and Nuri March catches the ball and starts running down the field toward me, and I knew what he was doing. He had his eyes on me because he thought, I'm going to run right over. I mean, we were buds, but, you know, we were, we were still like adolescent boys. I'm going to run right over Will Height. And that's going to be bragging rights for weeks. So he's running right at me. And I'm running the other way right at him. And I know in that moment, i got to hit him with everything I've got. If I don't hit him with everything I've got, he will rub my face in it forever, right? You know, so he's coming this way. I'm coming this way. And all I remember is I'm running as fast as I can, which isn't very fast. But Nuri was really fast. And we collide head to head. And we both fell back on our backs. He got up a little faster than I did. I didn't get up for a while. I was seeing stars. I didn't know where I was. They're holding fingers up, and I'm like, yeah, it's cool, fingers. Like, I was out of it, right? They eventually, like, helped me up and walked me over to the sidelines. Now, this was a long time ago, and this was in Texas. You know, today it'd be like concussion protocol. Back then it's like, sit down, son, you'll be fine. Get in on the next play. You know, so I'm sitting over there, and I think I'm going to throw up, and the world's spinning. And I remember for like the next two to three weeks, it felt like the earth shifted about 20 degrees. You know, everywhere I went, I was kind of crooked. My neck was out of alignment. I could hardly turn my back all the way down to my hip. Nuri messed me up, but I never let him know that. He came up to me. He's like, good hit. I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. What's your name again? Yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm out. And what happened is the rest of that season, that play was always in the back of my mind. Every time I got out on the field, I remembered that hit. I remembered how much it hurt. I remember how it messed me up. And at the end of that season, I finally said, you know what, that's enough. I'm going to sit on the couch and be an awesome quarterback couch coach. I'm going to let somebody else play the game. You ever got hit so hard in something in life that after that blow, you're just not quite the same? You just can't quite go about it the same way? It sort of follows you around and affects you? Like some of you go through a marital situation or relationship situation. Somebody betrays you. They break your heart. And after that experience, you're just sort of knocked down. Maybe you're even knocked out. And you're like, you know what? I'm not trusting anybody else. I'm not opening my heart up to anybody else. I'm never going to date again. Right? All men are bad, all women are bad, whatever it is, right? You've been, you've been hurt, you've been knocked down through that experience. Or you're at work, and you know, there's that, there's that one person that's like the straw that broke the camel's back. You're so tired of fearing, feeling overworked and underappreciated, and then that one rude customer, that one rude person, and you just sort of snap. You're like, I'm done, I'm done. And you either quit, or you quit caring, which might be just as bad, 
right? And you, you know, you, even if you keep showing up, you're just, you're sort of knocked down or maybe you're even knocked out. Or maybe you're trying to, you know, get healthy and get some things under control uh, in the health side of your life. You're trying to lose some weight or maybe you're working out, you're trying to put some weight on, right? And you get on the scale and I don't know about you, but, but man, I find the scale is not very cooperative. Anybody know what I'm saying? Like, I'm tracking the food, I'm following the plan, I'm doing all the junk, right? But what are these people smoking? Because this thing is not working. I stand on one foot, you know, that doesn't help, right? And you get so discouraged, you're like, you know what? Forget this, you know, hello, whatever. I'm, bring me the Krispy Kremes. I'm done. You just get knocked down, you get knocked out. Well, I want to talk today about how Christ, through faith, can help us stand up when we've been knocked down and knocked out. I wanna talk about the God of miracles. I wanna encourage you because I believe he can empower you today to stand up where you've been knocked down, to find new hope and new purpose and new meaning, to step forward in faith and realize your best days aren't behind you, your best days are still to come through faith in Jesus Christ. So we've been in this series, we kicked it off last week, called I Need a Miracle. And we said, look, the Gospel of John, one of the biographies of Jesus, has seven miracles that are recorded of Jesus' life. Um, and those seven miracles could be a way to outline the whole book of John. We looked at the first one last week, the miracle at the wedding feast in Cana, where Jesus turned water into wine, and we said Jesus is still in the business of conversion. He turns water to wine, he turns those who are hopeless into those filled with hope, he turns those who are miserable into those who have meaning, he's still doing conversion today. And we said last week, hey, Maybe the miracle God wants to do in you is more important than God doing the miracle you're praying for in your life. Maybe the real miracle is what happens inside of you. So check that out if you missed it last week. The second miracle in the Gospel of John is in John chapter four. It's kind of a long distance miracle where Jesus heals a guy's son from a distance. And since it's also a healing miracle, we're gonna combine that with the third miracle in John, which is in John chapter five, the healing of a lame man. So let me just set it up. Jesus is in Jerusalem. There's where all the religious leaders are. It's a festival, so like it's packed out. There are people everywhere. But instead of going to the temple where a lot of the action was, he goes to a certain area where there are people that are just laid out. They're just laid out by life. They're just knocked down by life. And all of these sick individuals are gathered around this certain pool because they felt like if we can get in the water, the, the water is supposed to have healing properties, right? They could be healed supernaturally. So here's what we see, John chapter five, beginning verse three. The way we do this here at Central, I'll read it off the screen. When we get to the red word, the highlighted word, I just ask you to read it real loud. You get extra credit for loud, okay? That's how we wake everybody up here at Central. All right, here it is. Crowds of sick people. Blind, lame, and paralyzed lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Can you imagine? 38 years, a lifetime. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, which, by the way, that's a, interesting in the original language. The idea is Jesus not only saw him, he intimately knew what he was going through, and he had empathy and compassion for him in that moment. So he saw him, he knew him, he had empathy and compassion for him. He knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get what? Well. Thank you. Would you like to get well? You want to get well, right? Which, you know, somebody's here today and they're facing a diagnosis. You're facing a situation. You need a miracle in your life. 
and you're wondering if God sees, if God hears, if God cares. And I just want you to take some encouragement from the Bible. Jesus not only sees this man, he has empathy for this man, and he knows what he's been through over 38 years. He sees and he cares. And then Jesus asks him this question, and if you really think about it, it's kind of like, an interesting question, do you wanna get well? It's sort of like, is that the dumbest question in the world? To ask a guy who's been on his back for 38 years, you wanna get well? It's like walking through a hospital, going down the hall, hey, you wanna get well? Would you like to get well? You just wanna hang out here. But I think there's more that Jesus is saying than just do you wanna get well? I think there's a question behind the question. And if you read on through John chapter five, the bigger question of John chapter five is a question of Jesus' authority. And I think part of what he's asking this man is not just do you wanna get better, of course he wants to get better, he's implying this, do you believe that I have the authority to help you in this situation? Do you believe that I have the authority to help you in this situation? And he'll go on to show that he does have the authority. But it just reminds us that no matter what we're up against in life, no matter what has knocked us down, listen, God is greater than your greatest problem. God is greater than your greatest problem. God is in charge of whatever has taken charge of you. God isn't limited by what is limiting you. He is large and in charge. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. And he can still move and work in your heart and your life today. So what do you do if you need a miracle? What do you do? First thought is simply this. Believe that God is greater. Just believe that he's greater, because this is what he's implying in this moment to this man. Do you believe I have the authority to help you in this situation? Do you believe I'm greater than the problem that you're facing? Uh, how many of you have known somebody in your life that's stubborn? <laughs> how many of you are sitting next to that person right now? You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> We're getting real up in here, Central. I saw this billboard, I thought, I thought this was great. Uh, it said, this year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. Then <laughs> check it out, somebody spray painted on there, no we won't. <laughs> Just kind of proving the point, right? You know, like, no we won't. Um, I thought I'd put together a little, a little quiz here. We can just see how stubborn uh, we may or may not be. So let's, uh, let's bring this up. It says, if you refuse to update your phone because it will only change things for the worse, <laughs> you might be stubborn. You know who you are. You're like five iPhone updates back, you know, but you're like, no, nah, I don't want to. No update. Still rings. <laughs> if as a child you ever held your breath until you passed out, you might be stubborn. <laughs> and if you're a parent of that child right now, we got a prayer area in the back. We'd love to pray for you back there after service. All right, if you've ever given someone the silent treatment without telling them why for more than a day, come on, ladies. You might be stubborn. You might be stubborn. All right, last one, look at this. If you're thinking, I'm not stubborn, I'm just right. You are definitely stubborn, right? Come on, you're definitely stubborn. Oh, uh, now I get, I get stubborn, I get stubborn. My last name is Wilhite, and Wilhite actually, it means literally strong will, right? 
I can be incredibly stubborn. I get stubborn when I drive. One of the things that drives me crazy is when my wife tries to give me directions when we're driving. I'm like, I got this, man. I got this. Back that up. Just, you know, I'm, and I, what I always say to her is, would you like to drive? I'm happy to pull over right now, and you can just drive this car if that's the way you're going to be. Otherwise, if I'm driving the car, am I going to drive? You want me to drive? If I'm going to drive, then <laughs> zip it up. I got it. I get us there. I know where I'm going. I always know where I'm going. Even when I don't know where I'm going, I know where I'm going. <laughs> right? I got it. I'll never forget the time that I'm driving down the freeway and there was a certain exit we were supposed to take and Lori knew we were supposed to take this exit and I drove right past it and I, she let me. She let me drive right past the exit and then the next exit and then the next exit. She just surrendered to the whole process. I'm gonna make my point. And when I finally had that moment, right, where you realize, like, oh, I missed the exit. Oh, my goodness, I got to turn around. And then I look over at her face, and I'm like, you knew. You knew the whole time. Why didn't you say something? Come on, girl, speak up. You got to say something. And I remember she looked at me, and she's like, oh, man, look, if I say something, I get in trouble. You don't like that. You're all stubborn, right? If I don't say something, I get in trouble. I can't win. How many of you, that's your marriage right there? We're right up in your life now, right? You know, like, I can't get ahead. I don't know what to do. I got the stubborn gene, man. It's right there. I got it. The Bible uses some interesting language when it talks about God's people and how we get stubborn in our relationship with God. He uses language like hard-hearted. We, we can get hard-hearted towards God or stiff-necked, right? Stiff-necked, we won't, we won't bow, we won't surrender. We're, we, we continue to fight against God and push against God. And sometimes in our stubbornness, we can try to sort of take things in our own hands. We get a problem and we're like, I'm gonna fix it. We get lost, I'll get my way out of it. We need a miracle, I'll take care of it myself, right? And we go about trying to handle it all on our own and trying to get there in our own power and in our own strength. But as we're gonna see in this story, there comes a time where we all get to a place where only a miracle will do. Only God can get us out of this situation. Only God can move and work to help us move forward in this situation. And when we're there, when we're knocked down, when we're on our back, we gotta realize that God is greater than the problem we're facing, whatever it may be. God is greater, he is stronger, he is more powerful, he is in control. In fact, I just wrote some things down about uh, all of the things that Jesus is over in our lives, the authority that he has in our lives. I'll just share some of these words with you. It says, Jesus, Jesus has authority over the boss that makes you feel small, come on somebody, and over the bills that make you feel broke. Jesus has authority over ABC, NBC, and CBS. He's got authority over Netflix, Hulu, and Prime, right? He's got authority over Wall Street, Main Street, and your street. He has authority over your ex, your boss, your kids, your parents, and the person who is making you miserable right now. Jesus has authority over the guy that ripped you off, the car that cut you off, and the person that ticked you off. He has authority over the Raiders. Oh, Lord, we need a miracle. We're holding out. He's got authority over the Golden Knights. Come on. He's got authority over the Patriots who just keep winning. And we could go on. 
Jesus has authority over your dogs and your cats, even though your cats do not listen to you, and I know they don't. He has authority over Area 51. <laughs> Jesus has authority over the bills that stream in and the money that streams out. He's got authority over your health, over your kids who are making bad choices, over the person that you love who continues to go their own way. Jesus has authority over the addiction that maybe you can't seem to quit or over the jobs that have you working opposite schedules with people you love. He's got authority over your loneliness, your awkwardness, and the fact that there are no good people to date. Jesus has authority over the dating market, the stock market, and the farmer's market. He's got authority over your car issues, your control issues, and your personality issues. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He's got authority over all things, and we can trust that he is greater than the problem that we're up against. Yeah, you may be knocked down, but you're not out. Yeah, it may be difficult, but you're not finished. Listen, God is large and in charge, and he is in charge of whatever has taken charge of you. So the first step toward a miracle in your life today is to simply believe that God is greater. Believe that he is bigger. Believe that he has authority to help you in the situation. Second thought for you is to simply stand up in faith. To stand up in faith. I think a lot of times, you know, in our world, we can get tempted to think we, ha we can come up with a solution to whatever we need. In fact, all you really need now is your phone. If you have your phone and a little money, you can get just about anything, right? You just got to open the app. There's an app for that. Somebody's sitting around, they're like, oh, man, I got to get this certain item, this certain product. All you got to do is open this app right here, Amazon. They'll deliver it right to your door, right? Free shipping, no problem. So you can get whatever, get it shipped to your door. Uh, then, you know, if you get bored shopping and you decide I need some entertainment, you can open up this app right here, Netflix, watch all the shows. You know, if you watch it long enough, eventually a little message comes up, are you still watching? <laughs> right? You ever had that? Like, are you alive? You can watch shows, you can get entertainment. Maybe you think while you're watching shows, I'm hungry, I need to get something to eat. Well, that's cool, because now you can just open up an app kind of like Grubhub right here, and you can just order whatever food you want, and they'll bring it to you so you can keep watching Netflix and keep eating. You don't even have to leave the house. And then if you do that too long, eventually you're gonna go like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get some things under control here. And uh, from a health standpoint, there's my fitness pal. Help you track your food, help you run off all those Netflix and Grubhub. Hub runs, right? And so my fitness pal, great app for you. Then you say, I'm feeling a little lonely. I'm feeling disconnected. All right, so I'm going to open up this app right here. This is Instagram. I'm going to look at all the pictures of all the happy people going to all the places that I've never been, laughing and having fun and looking so beautiful with all their filters. And man, come on. Anybody ever just look at Instagram and get depressed? And then you go back to Netflix, and then you go back to Grubhub. Where's that Grubhub? You get that dessert. Ship it on over, man. Everybody's living an amazing life but me. Mine's just normal. And sometimes the, the temptation can be to think that, hey, we can just work out whatever we are struggling with on our own. And that's just a recipe for frustration and for difficulty. John chapter five, Jesus says to this man, you wanna get well? You believe I have authority to help you in this situation? Here's John chapter five, verse seven. Let's bring it up on the screen. Help me on the red word here right out of the gate. But look at what this man says. He says, I what? I can. I can. 
And then he goes on, he says, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So, and, and what they believed is there was probably this natural undercurrent that happened in this pool and it would cause water to bubble every now and then and like ripples to go out. And somebody has said, hey, an angel stirs the water and when the water gets stirs, the first person in gets healed. That's what they believe. So it's like amazing race every time the water bubbled up, you know? Can you imagine? Everybody's trying to get in. He's like, I can't do it. I can't get in. I can't get in on my own strength. I can't get in on my own power. And Jesus, you know, he hears him. And I think what this guy was implying is, look, if you really want to help me, Jesus, then pick me up and get me in the pool first. Because if you pick me up and get me in the pool first, then maybe I can be healed, right? You know, maybe this thing will work out. And look what Jesus says. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, Jesus says this. Jesus told him what? Stand up. <laughs> the one thing he couldn't do, by the way, stand up. And then he says, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed and he rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. So what he couldn't do on his own, God did for him. Jesus told him to stand up, even though in his own strength and his own power, he was at the end of himself. Some of you right now are at the end of yourself, and you may not even realize that you are exactly where God has wanted you to be all along. You don't have to go through a crisis to get there. You can live there. It's called surrender. And surrender realizes, look, I can't handle everything. I'm not in control of everything. And the longer I live, the less I realize, or the more I realize and I'm in control of less and less, but God is in control, and I trust him. I can't do it, Lord, but you can do it. I can't do it, but I'll follow you in faith. And Jesus says, stand up, stand up in that situation and walk. Now, I read miracle stories like this in the Bible. I remember when I was a new believer and I read the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, it's powerful. It's a story of the early church community and you see all these kind of miracle stories, stand up and walk and people experiencing amazing kinds of miracles in their lives. And then I remember I'd like go to church like we're doing right now and I would sit in church and I'd be like, hey man, like when's the stuff gonna happen? You know, like the stand up and walk stuff. You know, like the, all of a sudden I can see, I was blind but now I see, like where, where's the stuff happen and you go you can go to church and just kind of be like I don't know man it's, it's, the Bible seems more miraculous <laughs> than my everyday life I never forget a pastor helped me once he said hey if you read through the book of Acts the story of the New, New Testament church and all that was going on there's 30 miracles in the book of Acts and the book of Mac, the book of Acts actually happens over a 30-year period so that averages out to about a miracle a year and when he told me that I was like wow because you think about it, like we, we see way more than one supernatural, kind of in my mind, undeniable, unexplainable miracle in our faith community a year. We, we see that much more regularly. And I think it just reminds us that God is still on the move. And then we see what we call last week slow motion miracles all the time happening and miracles of conversion happening. I talked to a friend of mine right before uh, services. And uh, man, he's been through a tough year. His adult son... A heroin addict, and uh, ultimately, you know, the addiction got him, and he overdosed, and he died. And I, I don't know of anything more hard or difficult as a parent than outliving your own kids, right? And journeying through that kind of tragedy and loss. But he grabbed me before service. He said, "Judd, you know, it's the most amazing thing. Two months before he died, I brought him to church. He agreed to come to church with me." 
And he had started coming and attending and he sat in service and he said, at the end of the service, you gave people an opportunity to receive Christ into their life and just raise their hand if they acknowledge they're following him in their life. And he goes, my son received Christ and he raised his hand. And he acknowledged Christ in his life. And he looked at me and he, and he pointed at me right at my chest. He said, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. And that was my miracle as a dad and his miracle as my son. The addiction still got him, but Christ got him before the addiction ultimately got him. There are miracles happening every day. Some we can't explain, some we don't even understand, but I'll be the first to tell you that how God does miracles in our life is a great mystery to me. This weekend before service, I prayed with dozens of you around this campus asking God for a miracle in your life. I do that with people all day, all the time. I ask God to show up and move, and there are times where I stand back and I'm in awe, right, at the miracle God does, and there are other times I stand back and I'm confused. I don't understand why God doesn't move in certain situations. I don't understand why he does what he does in some situation or another. But I've just come to a place of trust where we can stand up in faith even if we're still under a difficult situation. We can stand, sometimes God wants us to stand up without the miracle that we're praying for so we can experience the miracle that we really need. See, sometimes we think we need a miracle and the miracle we think we need is not the miracle we really need, right? Some of you, you're praying right now, God, I need a miracle, I need a new job, I need a job that give me more fulfillment and more meaning. And it might be that God wants you to stand up in faith in the job you're currently in and find meaning and fulfillment in that job. Some of you right now, you're praying, God, I need a miracle in my marriage or my relationship. I need you to change him or change her or change them. And it might be that God wants to change you. Hello, somebody. And by changing you, he wants to change the relationship. Some of you are praying for your kids. God, help them make better decisions. Help them work in their life. Do a miracle in their life. And it might be that the miracle God wants to do is a miracle of surrender in your own life, where you learn again to surrender your kids back to God and trust him with what's going on in their lives, or set healthier boundaries, or influence them in more positive ways. The miracle may be something God wants to do in you. Some of you right now, you need a health miracle in your life. And I want you to know, when people come up to me and they say, hey, will you pray for me? I'm sick or I have cancer or I have a medical diagnosis. I just, I pray for them boldly. I ask God to do the miraculous. I ask him to heal. I ask him to work. And there are times I've seen that happen. Things I can't explain. But there are other times I haven't. And so I don't just sort of, you know, some people are like, well, Lord, if it's your will. I'm like, well, he's going to do what his will is anyway. He's God, right? So I just go for it. You ask me to pray for you, you're sick, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm gonna pray that God will work in your life and restore you. I'm gonna pray that God will do a miracle in your life supernaturally. And I'm gonna believe the best for you and your situation. Now you may get that miracle of physical healing or you may get the even greater miracle of God's presence while you wait for the miracle, right? I want you to know you can grab the next step card and the seat backs in front of you and you can always, every week, share your prayer requests. We take those very seriously here at Central. We pray for hundreds and thousands of people throughout the year. 
We uh, lift them up to God. We pray for miracles on a daily basis. We have an area in our lobby across our locations and uh, here at our Henderson location that just says prayer in the back corner of the lobby. You can always go after service. We'd love to pray with you and for you for God to do a miracle. If you need healing in your life, we want to go back and ask for prayer for healing and, and uh, we will pray for that for you because we believe God still moves. We believe God still works. He just doesn't always do it on our timetable. But we can stand up in faith even when things are hard and even when they're difficult. And maybe for some of you, the challenge today is to just stand up right now where you're at. You're laid down on your back. You've been through some stuff, some discouragement, some depression, some difficulty in your life, and maybe the miracle hasn't come. Not the miracle that you prayed for, not the way that you thought it would come, but you could still rise up in obedience to Christ and walk in faith. Jesus told a paralyzed man to stand up and walk, and I think he's also telling us today, stand up and walk. The Bible says that God has broken the yoke of slavery around our necks so that that we could walk with our heads held high. With our heads held high. We may still be under stuff, but God's over whatever we're under. God's got it and he's moving and he's working. So I wanna end our experience today a little differently. Uh, what I'd like to do is I'm gonna read through some different scenarios and, um, you know, if you relate to some of these scenarios, and there's several of them, if you can connect with it and you're ready to just declare victory that you believe God is greater than that scenario you're facing in your life, then each time I read a scenario, a scenario and you hear it, I'm going to ask you to just stand up where you're at. Then I'm going to read another one. Just stand up where you're at. Just stand up. And eventually, most of us will be standing. And if you don't hear your scenario, just stand up anyway. You won't be able to see anything. If you've been knocked down by disappointment in your life, by bad news, by circumstances that won't seem to budge, stand up if you're ready to declare, my God is greater than my disappointment. He is greater than my disappointment. If you've been knocked down by negative voices in your head that say you'll never be enough, never be good enough, never be smart enough, never be popular enough, stand up if you're ready to declare, my God is greater than my discouragement. He is greater than my discouragement. Listen, if you've been knocked down by rejection, you've been knocked down by failure, you've been knocked down by being passed over, by being abandoned, stand up and declare, my God is greater than those who have let me down. If you've been knocked down by depression or by anxiety, by the hurts of the past or the fears of the future, stand up and declare, my God is greater than whatever makes me feel lesser. Listen, if you've been knocked down by addiction or a bad habit or a hang-up and you can't shake it, stand up and declare God is greater than the things that make you feel weak. Come on, he's greater than what makes you feel weak. If you struggle with worry and endless worst-case scenarios playing around in your mind, stand up and declare my God is greater than the things I cannot control. Listen. If you're sick and tired of feeling worthless and guilty and alone in your life, stand up and declare my God is greater than other people's opinions of me. If you're tired of being tired, tired of being worn out, tired of feeling like you're going through life, but there's not a lot of life going through you, stand up and declare God is greater than what drains me. Listen, in him there is life. In him there is hope. In him there is meaning. In him there is purpose. We got to stand up in it. You may not have your miracle yet. But that doesn't mean your miracle isn't on the way. You got to stand up in it and walk in faith and believe that he is greater. He's in charge of whatever has taken charge of you. He's greater than your greatest problem.
Let's bow together. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for each person here today and for those that we love that are not here. I pray for miracles in our hearts and lives. First, I pray for the miracle of growing in our relationship with you and trusting you and following you. I pray for healing across our church for people who desperately need healing. I pray for encouragement and hope. God, help us walk in your promise and help us trust you every day of our lives. God, we love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Central family. I'm gonna ask you to remain standing for just a moment. Pastor Bob's gonna come share about a 60-second final thought with us. God bless you guys, and I'll see you next week.